Welcome to This Game Where, the only podcast to have gone gold. This is Chris, and over there is... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. Gone gold. You look confused. No more confused than any other time where you've said nonsense. It's a game thing. It's, it was for music yeah. as well, isn't it, I guess? It's, I think any media that goes... That I sells. Don't know, does well, yeah. I don't know. All arbitrary marketing nonsense. 100,000? No, it's going more than 100,000. I don't know what it is. I, are you talking about games or music? It's, I know in music it's a lot less than you'd think to go gold. Is it? And they talk about, yeah. Oh, I can't remember the numbers, like, well, but it's gold. a lot lower. Gone gold. They talk well. about double platinums and things yeah. like that. Triple platinum, quadruple. It's gone, and it's like six. Six copies. Triple platinum. Yeah, something, something very low. Much Pro- lower than you'd think. Whereas nowadays, platinum. everyone pirating, eh? Whoop. Politics. Who's who's pirating? Satire. People. There's a lot less pirating goes on these days than I think there was even a decade ago. <laughs> to be honest, I think you're right. I think that music is so readily available. Like, everything's available at, at a few yeah. clicks. Like, a whole yeah. artist's back catalogue is available for, you know, 79p a track off of anything. Like, you yeah. know, rare B-sides, live versions, everything. It's 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 a, it's a good time. It's a good it time for music. It kind of is, and it kind of isn't, in so much as I think the whole setup means that musicians are not as it's not as viable a career and it wasn't particularly viable before was it billy bragg i was reading you said that from spotify you get like as a musician you got like 0.01 of the rules something like that it's like it's a it's a very that you would have normally yeah. yeah yeah i think the the model for consumers is better i think that in the long run though it, it could bite us in the ass so yeah, what a way to start the podcast. Yeah, Why I know. Tell me about, about music. Wait, right. What? We, we need to move on because there's a, there's a lot to cover in this episode. Oh, great. What we're doing, a belated... I mean, genuinely great. We're doing a belated Valentine's episode because uh, last week we did uh, Mr. Driller and neither of us realised that uh, it was... That val- was the Valentine's episode. Was Mr. it? Mr. Driller. Right. Well, we're doing a belated Valentine's episode this week. What's wrong? What's wrong with Mr. Driller? Um, I mean, it's a crude, yeah, crude, exactly, and that's why I'm moving on. Suggestion, okay. So I was thinking about uh, love and romance in all its many shapes and sizes, and I was thinking what game I could I do. I have no idea where this is going to go. That, sorry, that was a really weird thing to say. And so I was thinking about games and romance and love, and I was thinking about what game I could do this week. Is it Catherine? No, it's not Catherine. And no. I was thinking about what game I could do this week that kind of. Uh, was 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 that in some way? And I I, I did think about Monkey Island for a bit because because I thought you know Guybrush and Elaine they've got quite a nice little relationship, but I didn't. So I went for this game where you explore a myriad of locations looking for the Scion of Atlantis and you assault a series of resting places. I mean, the only Atlantean game I know is the Fate of Atlantis. It's not that one. No. Um, maybe I know some others, but right. I can't think what it might be. So I'll have to that bit because that was I was really struggling with that one. So assaulting a series of resting places is a synonym for the the name of the game. Assaulting a series of resting places. Yeah. What? Tomb Raider. Yeah. Okay. Assaulting. Mm, yeah. And I thought Great. I thought Tomb Raider. In plain sight. Yeah, exactly. And I thought Tomb Raider because you know that was my Valentine's Day homage was uh, Lara Croft. Great. I've done this because um, it was a way to kind of I was trying to think of a way to to shoehorn Valentine's Day in some way into our podcast. As you said a few weeks ago, you know that it's it, it's groaning under the weight of all the 
different frameworks I'm trying to put in place. Yeah. And it's collapsing, isn't it, Chris? That's 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 not. The whole Lara Croft thing has always baffled me. Yeah. I mean me too. But it was it was a way to I'm I'm do you know what I'm really enjoying that what? everybody else can't really enjoy because they can't see you. I'm enjoying the face that's like, how do I dig my way out of this? How I've set this up completely wrong. I'm not comfortable with what I've done. I, I feel like a chastened puppy. What am I going to do? Let's see. Yeah. So let's see. Go. Right. Well, well, you know, Lara Croft, it's, uh, I, I, I always find it very distasteful. Like everyone going like, oh, oh, mm, sexy. Mm. And it's just, she's just some polygons. Like, like you just did. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was again. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to relate to those people that did that. I'm twiddling my fingers with nerves as I'm talking because I'm I'm so out of depth. Be. I just find it weird. There you go. I've said okay. it. Weird. Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take you off the. You can fire. throw me a, throw me a line. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Which Tomb Raider is it? Because we made a mistake in last week's episode of Mr. Driller of not actually dr- drilling into which one we were talking about for about ten minutes. So Tomb Raider one. Just the first one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't like Tomb Raider. There we go. Let's, oh. Let's pop that there. I, okay. Everyone can be mad at me. I don't like Tomb Raider. Fine. Okay. That's not how I thought that would go. Well, you're entitled to your opinion. But. I'm not going to say you're wrong. No. That's it's, fine. Yeah. You know. Fine. This is such a weird episode. Moving's <laughs> changed you. <laughs> what, uh, do you what do you want me to say? Oh, you're wrong. It's really, really good. I want to know why I should maybe reconsider my opinion. That's what I'd like to... Uh, that's right. what I'm interested in. But right. I, I can tell you why I don't like Tomb Raider. Go on. Go on. Janky Controls is the basic... It is like the first thing. And then this thing that come, that we've talked about a little bit in previous episodes where the PlayStation is the big boys console and it's uh, for big boys. Um, and Tomb Raider is just one of those games that was like, we're for big boys now, These we are. Games. Yeah, and I, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it then. And I hate it now. And that whole Lara Croft thing played into the PlayStation brand too. The uh, you know, like was, was there one where she there was an advert where she was like lying down in the front naked? It was like um, this is this is oh, I can't remember what the, the slogan was, but it just again I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable thinking about it. Honestly, have no idea because I was less than interested in any of it. Yeah. Well, you said about janky controls. I, in my research, I found that the game has tank controls. And that was a, a point of contention for quite a few people. And I can remember mm. a few times playing the game where you have to, like, I can remember getting it to, like, sidestep a little bit to the left, a little bit more, and all that, and then try and do your jump and failing. And it, it, yeah, at times was quite repetitive. It was very much, when I played this, it was that just one more go, just one more go. I think that was the first time I actually said that phrase to myself. Just one more go. Mm. I, um was playing Super Mario 64 at this time. And to have... I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. The camera was a bit difficult sometimes to manoeuvre in the right way. But to contrast the flagship game... The flagship, the flagship adventure of, these, of the Nintendo 64 with the flagship, or one of, I suppose, the flagship adventures of the PlayStation, for me, at the time, and pr- frankly, even now, it was no contest. No contest whatsoever because the there was a level of gleam on Super Mario 64 that just was completely not there for Tomb Raider. And I know that's like David and Goliath comparing comparing Super Mario 64 to Tomb Raider, which was, you know, kind of being made by a, a relatively small time player in the industry. Yeah. But they were also being pitched at exactly the same mm-hmm. height. So they were both the AAA 
flagship thing for each of the systems. They just it made no sense to me why everyone was fawning over Tomb Raider. I haven't played this for, I reckon, about 25 years, so I can't really comment on it. My, my memories of playing it are very, very foggy at best. Okay. How do you think it's going to go down today? Do you have any... You think you're going to like it? Tell me about what you thought about it then. I hope so. I remember it being, being fun. The I liked the the atmosphere of it is the thing I remember being the, the most enjoyable. The, mm. the the sense of the exploration and the desolation of the tombs you were exploring. I, I remember just it it, it, it felt quite atmospheric. Okay. Anyway, let's go into the uh, we'll go into the kind of uh, my, my notes are all over the place. Let's uh, go into kind of the specific. So, Tomb Raider is a game that came out in 1996. It's a third person action adventure. Third person being quite important because they'd initially they, they they'd made it third person deliberately because they wanted to go against the grain because first person was in vogue at the time like doom quake so they wanted to make it third person and make the character front and center as a result of that the developer as you've said were core design who are based in derby and was made that we said there was a small time team yeah and the small time team was called core design and they were made up of many former employees of gremlin graphics from sheffield yeah. And they started in May 1988 and collapsed in March 2010. The game was published by Eidos, who are now part of Square Enix Europe. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. Now, the game, you've said about it being a, a key part of the, of the Sony brand, which um, which I completely thought as well. And it turns out that, uh, well, the, the game released on the Saturn. I also released on the PC as well. But oh, yeah. I, I've always associated us being PlayStation and apparently well not apparently definitely sega paid for a two-week exclusivity for it to come on the saturn first in order to try and capitalize on that but despite that it then became well yeah and and something happened with that which i'll explain in a bit as well and it it's it still became lara croft and the game series just became so entrenched with sony and the playstation brand that it it just it surprises me that Sega, that that was ever a thing, because to me it just felt like Sony through and through. Yep, absolutely. It's um, I mean that is a surprise. I didn't know that that was a thing at all. I don't know why Sega thought that a two week exclusivity window was going to have any impact whatsoever. Well, um, you think about games now, like two weeks, that yeah. would kind of you know because games nowadays, like your AAA games, which this would probably be equivalent to nowadays, like those two weeks like over the course of that fortnight, people would play it and then they move on to the next next thing. So I can I think that probably yes is a fairly no. major window. It's a it's a major window, but it's not an ins- insurmountable amount of time, is it? So there's a perfect example of um of this in current. Uh, Tomb Raider, and in so much as Shadow of the Tomb, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, the sequel to the reboot of Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider Two in uh, modern terms, um, that had an entire one year um, uh, okay. exclusivity. That's quite a difference on the Xbox. Yeah, um, I didn't have an Xbox One at the time, so I couldn't play it until it came out on the PlayStation Four. I waited the year. I didn't go. I wasn't clamoring for the Xbox. Right. It it just wasn't going to happen. And the so, idea of waiting two weeks in the mid nineties for a two made game, which let's just remind ourselves is the first in the series and an unknown entity to most people um, in the world, 
I just don't see how a two-week two window... Because the two-week window is enough time for magazines to go out, people to read it and go, ah, oh, actually, this is quite a good game. When's it coming out? Oh, it's out now on the on the Sega, but yeah. what is it, like a week, two days until it comes out on the PlayStation that I've already got in my room? I'll wait. Yeah, you make a fair point. I mean, at the time it came out, it had been hyped like so much, like... IDOS had promoted it a lot at different trade events and they, they used as part of the promotional materials uh, we will talk about Lara Croft a bit more because there's a bit more to unpack there but they did lots of stuff where they had um, models dressed as Lara Croft and Core the, the people that designed the games were really uncomfortable with the fact that they'd done that but they, there was an E3 demo in 1996 that caused a massive stir like people were going oh wow this game looks amazing so when the game did come out like there was a lot of um, interest Clamour. in it mm. i remember However, i remember was the the interesting story um I'll, I'll, I'll tell it now so sega paid for this two-week exclusivity for it to come out on the saturn first and what happened is uh, and, and that led to a lot of crunch for core so there was a bit of aggro towards sega as a result of that perhaps understandably but what happened is when the game because they had to develop the saturn one first in order for it to come out in that two-week window what then happened is they found a few a-class bugs that meant the game didn't work properly on the saturn which were they were then able to iron out for the playstation and pc versions so actually sega ends up shooting themselves in the foot quite spectacularly with that wow well they were shot in the foot by well but yeah and also the saturn itself and the lack of gains to the yeah, Saturn. Yeah, I mean, but, but, you know, you Tomb Raider would that. not have been the be-all and then no. it wouldn't have been the saviour of the Saturn, let's be honest. And it wasn't the only tentpole holding up the uh, PlayStation tent, no. was it? So um, it's not like it was make or break at this point. However, that's pretty crap. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not great. And a good example... In isolation, a good example of why Sega were floundering, I guess, because why wouldn't you do your due diligence? Why would you release? Why would you release it in that state? How how did you n- not know that there were a class game breaking bugs in the game that you'd pinned a load of your hopes on? Precisely, it smacks with desperation, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. Just before we move on, then you, you said about how you you have been playing the the, the later Tomb Raiders. Mm. So is it just that this game you don't like, and you've come to appreciate later entries in the series the first trilogy you know the playstation trilogy mm-hmm. are bad um and then okay. That's a strong word no it's, i mean f- on two counts no it's not <laughs> bad bad's pretty tame i could have said worse and secondly it's very representative of the uh of the situation the the first games on the playstation even when i played them initially on the playstation contemporaneously to their release um i thought they were bad and I didn't enjoy them, and I've, I, I, as I've sort of um, intimated, or, or sort of implied, in comparison even to the things that were its contemporaries, like Super Mario sixty four, which I w- was my bread and butter, it was the stuff that I was playing and interested in. It felt really clunky and and crap, and I didn't like the level design. I thought it was boring um, a lot of the time, and I didn't, I don't care if there was a dinosaur at the end of a level or a or a bloody lion that attacks me when i go down this corridor it was oh, by and yeah. large just it was it was just empty corridors that looked like caves that were punctuated with these fairly mundane moments in my view so it's bad however later tomb raider games and i don't just mean this this latest trilogy of of tomb raider games later tomb raider games sort of um the games that were coming out onto the xbox 360 and playstation 3 
onwards, I've really enjoyed. I got I got well stuck into a bunch of the Tomb Raider games on the Xbox 360 in particular. Right. So um, it's not that I don't like Tomb Raider as a franchise. It's that I didn't like Tomb Raider in its first guise, in its first orientation. But what it's developed into, you do quite like. Yeah, I think I prefer... I think they're very well-polished games, this last trilogy mm-hmm. of, of, of Tomb Raider games. But I also think that I quite enjoyed the... I'm gonna. It's gonna sound like a. Com- it is a completely backhanded compliment. I just quite enjoyed the blandness of um, of the Xbox 360 era of right. um, of Tomb Raider. I think there was Tomb Raider Anniversary um, and Tomb Raider. Is it Tomb Raider Dark Angel? I'm gonna search rather than make up names. Underworld. Tomb Raider Underworld. Really like that. Tomb Raider Legend. Possibly. A couple of those were written by Rana Pratchett as well. That's the new ones. Oh, okay. Hmm. I think. I think she wrote... She she definitely wrote Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I think she wrote Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Right. But um, I don't think she necessarily... I don't... I can't remember. I'll have to check this as well. Making a list. Um, I don't know if she wrote Tomb Raider, the reboot. Um, I think one of the reasons that she was brought in was because there was a little bit of controversy over the opening of Tomb Raider, wherein there was an implication that the people that would take this is the first 15 or so minutes of gameplay in, in the first game of the reboot, reboot yeah. trilogy, the first 15 minutes, there's an implication that one of the um, enemies is going to catch, rape and kill oh, Lara yes, Croft. I remember that. And I think one of the reasons that Rihanna Pratchett was drafted in to the um to the second and third well certainly to the second was to address this lack of female representation in the mm-hmm. um in the storytelling um of that first game that is all half remembered so if it's right. wrong i apologize <laughs> well let's uh, talk about the plot of this then the, the original tomb raider the um in the game you're hired by a baddie called jacqueline natler to find the sign of atlantis and the game I remember it gets very weird later on. And apparently the designers, they started off with these, as you said, quite mundane levels where you fight against animals because the game gets strange later on. You, you end up going mm. to Atlantis and there's a mm. there's a, a sequence I remember where there's a alien doppelganger of Lara Croft. And they did deliberately made it so that when you got to that point of the game, you'd already kind of got eased into it. So rather than starting off weird, it got weirder as you went through. Okay. The the levels, you said you never liked level, level design. The levels had a lot of praise at the time because they're, they're split into multiple areas with uh, where you got to puzzle, you got to kill enemies, and they're based on kind of like 3D grids that were inspired by Egyptian tombs. And they had layers that introduced verticality and both the grid element and the verticality were things that weren't seen in games at the time. What I liked is the the, the, the level designer, the, the way they kind of used classical architecture, I suppose. So you, you start off with the, the first train level is at Croft Manor, and then you go to Peru, Greece, Egypt, and Atlanta over the course of the, uh, sorry, Atlanta, Atlantis over the course of the game. And the, the reason they did that is so they could use locations inspired by the cultures of Inca, ancient Greece, and ancient Egypt, which I think are kind of the, the top three ancient civilizations perhaps but it's it's then it's not it's things that people then understand about you know they kind of know the the architecture of ancient greece they know what a kind of uh an incan ruin would look like and i I always felt tomb raiders did quite a good job of representing those okay so let me just come in there i think one of the things that was against it 
was just the fact that a lot of the textures in the game were muddy and they in terms of you just couldn't really pull off a lot of the stuff that they wanted to pull off uh, in Tomb right. Raider you couldn't really pull it off on the PlayStation so um I think that's one of the things that I felt some dissonance over and therefore probably disagree with like I don't know that it's representation of of the architecture of wherever or it's yeah. representation of a cave was doing it for me Mm-hmm. Super Mario 64 wasn't like a, and I, I I think I am being unfair but again it's the touchstone for the point for that point in my sort of gaming life yeah um, it wasn't doing anything amazingly mind-blowingly beautiful but it was definitely working with the tools that it had at its disposal it wasn't trying to render classical architecture or anything outside of its wheelhouse it yeah. worked with what it had again it might be unfair to say because they're trying to do two different things but Tomb Raider had that against it and it's certainly something that I picked up on at the time. I just didn't I didn't like the environments. I thought that they were not very well done. Just like you said, the word plain. Yeah. Okay. I'll make a note to keep an eye out when we're when we're we're playing mm, it. Yeah. Uh, because as I said, that's one of the things that the game is praised as, and then one of the things that the designers deliberately tried to do. As I've said, I've not played it for twenty five years, so I don't remember it in that level of detail. No, I don't. I, I'm sort of I'm really putting myself in the shoes of a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old me um, sort of playing it around the turn of the millennium Mm -hmm. and how I was feeling then. Um, Just to weigh in again, I I won't harp on, but you did ask, the games that I enjoyed were, are you ready? I'm ready. They were Tomb Raider Anniversary, Tomb Raider Underworld, and Tomb Raider Legend. And interestingly, they are the first games post Tomb Raider the Dark Angel or Angel of Darkness or whatever they changed hands they changed development hands and they mm, they went into the hands of Crystal Dynamics who then went on to make the modern the most modern reboot and also I was wrong about Ray, Rihanna Pratchett not being involved in the first Tomb Raider game that had the controversy around the rape she was involved she was a writer on that so oh um I've sort mm. of muddied two stories or or misremembered two two parts of the same story right and misrepresented it so apologies what are you laughing at nothing nothing at all so let's uh i'm going to talk about a bit more because uh i i went a bit weird about it when we started uh but i want to talk about lara croft as a character yep now i've, I've already made my feelings about it clear um but she she became the star of the the breakout star of, the, of beyond the game itself and is i think she's a character an iconic character that people who probably have never even held a playstation controller will be able to say who she is yeah do you know who's voiced her in in some of the most more of some of the more recent things uh keely hawes yeah which is pretty cool i didn't realize that yeah um i can't remember those and actually i've just searched up lara croft as a character so i'm on the wikipedia page and i've got the voices in front of me so i i, I don't think i should play this game anymore because it'd be cheating oh sorry oh. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, the designer of Lara Croft... Mini Driver, called, apparently. Yeah, she's voiced her in some, like, uh, web animation shorts. Yeah. Which, yeah, still, it's still quite quite a cool Mini Driver, I think. What I thought you were going to talk about was the fact that she was... They cast her. Do you remember them casting, like, well, that, Lara Croft as a character? They had the, the models at the trade shows, but I don't, didn't know about casting her. It, start, it started off as models at trade shows which you said that core design weren't happy with i didn't Mm -hmm. i wasn't aware of that and the reason that i was sort of quite surprised about that was because they then went on to cast a an official lara croft and every time there was like a media 
um, or publicity thing, the official Lara Croft would be the person that turned up. So um, I've just done a quick Google and it started, there there were a number of them. Uh, Natalie Cook was the first official Lara Croft. I remember all this happening. I'm surprised you you don't remember it. It was like on news round and all sorts of stuff in the 90s like it was a big buzz um but so natalie cook it started off with natalie cook uh then it uh then it was a british actor called rona mitra who i don't know uh but it was apparently in the underworld films um then it was a french lady called vanessa de Moy. i do remember the french version of laura croft oddly right. she was then replaced by nell mcandrew who is a pretty famous model mm. um nelma kandrew i don't know whether she was the last one but she was definitely fired because she appeared in playboy while while also representing lara croft being the official lara croft and playboy then used the uh tomb raider franchise to sell um like that copy of of uh of playboy with nelma kandrew in it so she was appearing as as herself, but then they used it to kind of oh by the way this this model is also Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. And you should go by Tomb Raider from yeah, kind of like that yeah. Right. So um, it's a bit of a story thing, but the the whole sort of thing around it um, was this is a sexy lady, everybody. Yeah. Here, here's a here's something to gawp at, um, which, which again was one of the things that. I wasn't actually that interested in no. surprisingly as a perhaps surprisingly as a as a youngin. I wasn't but, but, old enough for it to register in that way. No. I was just totally literally disinterested. I remember a, a CJ advert for uh, Lucas Aid that had her as well. But that, again that's the point I'm making yeah. is the fact that she was she was so, such a, a famous character and still is a famous character that the fact that she's then been used to sell Lucas Aid. She was everywhere things she, as well. She it, absolutely was everywhere. Honestly, it was David Beckham and and Lara <laughs> Croft. That that, that yeah. late nineties period yeah. was David Beckham and Lara Croft. They were well, everywhere. There's that there's actually in, in Derby there's a street called Lara Croft Way. Oh, okay. That's quite um, nice. Yeah. And in terms of the name, Lara Croft, there's, there's two stories where they got the name Lara Croft from. The first is that they found it at random in a phone directory. The second story is that there was an accountant who they, the core design knew in some capacity called Laura Croft, and that mm. they got the name from that, but they've not gone on record saying exactly where they got the name from. But, um, but yeah, regardless of that, the, the character is what I kind of want to talk about, really. Mm. And the, um, the designer of the game, or one of the designers who specifically focused on the characters, Toby Gard, is the person who created Lara Croft. There's a story he gave to a magazine at some point around the time of Tomb Raider where he said that the reason she was so well proportioned is that it was a slip of the mouse and that became a, a story in itself. And he then went on record later on saying, no, I was just lying. I imagine he was probably fed up of answering that question because that was... Uh, the, the kind of the hot topic around it wasn't it mm. it was such a strange time really that period wasn't it a really <laughs> strange time it's sort of where lads mags were born and oh it feels like it anyway it's certainly where they became a massive thing and it never it didn't really ever weigh for another decade I think you've got the you've got a lot of things at play there. You've got the mid nineties. You've got the the rise of the lad mag, as you've said, like the loaded FHM, mm. etc. And then I suppose Lara Croft as a character, she's then a human character that is, you know, a, a attractive character. 
and then it kind of and also you've got the rise of gaming as a, as a hobby in itself and I guess all those things all kind of congeal together into into what I found a very uncomfortable mess where you've got this sexified character that was being used to promote games who was appearing in these lads mags as well and it was the yeah. her sex she appeal did. was the thing that yeah ex- exactly she did and that seems like now 2023 like I, I cannot fathom that ever happened. As I said at the time, I was you know nine six, I was ten, and you know go, going forward as she became this this sex appeal character, I, I, I found it really distasteful. Do you remember her appearing on the front of Loaded magazine? Is that the thing I th- I'm thinking about where she was lying on a, a front? Um, it possibly is on the front on the Loaded magazine. Maybe... I've just I've just searched it up. Because I was going to say is it maybe past the same photo shoot, but that would obviously have been the complete wrong word. But well, no, yeah. it, the the same spread, the same uh, photo yeah. spread, for want of a better word. Yes, I think it probably is. I don't. I I kind of vaguely remember the one that you're talking about, but they were literally everywhere. Like every mm. every photograph of her was a sexualized image. But this one is on Loaded magazine, which obviously has a, a reputation for being a lads mag and and semi softcore uh, porn. Um, and she is. I'm. I'm describing it to you now. It's got an image of her naked, bar pants, and she's got a what looks to be a duvet or a pillow over the over her front. So she's covering her, her breasts and her um a torso. Um, and then there's a like a complete defocused background. So um, it's completely a like a it's a it's a Playboy style photo shoot mock up thing that they've yeah. made of this character and. It, it's in Loaded Magazine, which is a magazine about a, a magazine for the lats, and it's all. It was. It's. It was never my thing. No. This is. Yeah. It's all. It's all sort of um, mired. The whole. The whole mm. Tomb Raider thing for me is mired in this. Nonsense. Absolutely, and that's what I wanted to talk about. Is is that I? I find it just so. It makes me uncomfortable. Like yeah. I'm physically squirming talking about this. Now the irony of it all is that core design obviously they created the character they they would have known that 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 sex appeal was part of it now during development idos really wanted to big that up as for her as a character and they asked core design to implement a nude code however toby guard the designer refused because he said that he didn't want lara to be like a page three star he wanted he his vision of lara was that she was I'm going to quote, cool, calm and collected. He, he'd he done her as almost like a female Indiana Jones. He he was very influenced by Tank Girl, who is a, yeah. a very headstrong female character as mm. well. Um, interestingly, you've now got in, in the reboots, which we talked about a little bit already, that the, the uh, physical proportions of Lara have been toned down as maybe as a, a direct um, re- result of that. I don't know. Yeah, ironically, um, that is part of the growth of the industry and the growing yes. up of the people involved in it and the people consuming it i think we've still got a lot of laddishness um in in the communities and there are a lot of um there's a lot of loutishness um in it but where in the 90s with the playstation and uh, everything that came along with it they they were they were playing it being big boys and uh all that i feel like we're actually moving to to a more grown-up approach to game design it feels like if there was a game that had a female character as the lead now that if there was any whiff of the publishers trying to put in a nude code that it would 
quite rightly being met with absolute outcry yeah i think there'd be that be actual um disdain shown hmm. and there'd be actual um engagement with the nonsense that is that that would be that whole yeah rigmarole it will have registered in a completely different way in the 90s um yeah well, there's a, there's a couple of stories to kind of go alongside this before I move off the whole nude code thing. There's a a patch became available for the PC version called mm. Nude Raider, which is available at www.nuderaider.com. Uh, I've not checked if it's still existing as a website. Probably isn't because IDOS sent the people behind it a cease and desist letter and uh, they obviously shut it down as a response. But the fact that people then went to the effort of putting in an unlockable skin or whatever it was for the PC version. So you could play as a naked. Again, that that baffles me. What caused it for Tomb Raider 2 is they then put in a cheat code for the game that was, um, I think, quote-unquote, leaked to the press that was, yeah, yes, this is it. We, we put the new code in. We'll listen to you. And if you did the new code, uh, then Lara blew up. So it was a bit of a, you know, blown mm. a raspberry at people for that, which I think is is quite a good response. Now, I do remember late 90s i i was getting every month computer and video games magazine and computer and video games magazine every in that april issue each year was they put in an april fools thing of some sort and one year i think it must have been 98 because of tomb raider 2 having released in late 97 they put in that uh, there was there was a code and what you had to do is you had to you had to do it to the tune of um Oh, was it, what was the All Saints? Was it Never Ever, the all, first yeah. All Saints song? Yeah. They had to do this code, and it was this really long code. You had to do it to the beat of, of Never Ever by All Saints. And if you did it, then Lara became naked. And they they mocked up an image from the game where they'd got Lara naked. And the following month, they then got loads, like a ridiculous amount of, of letters from people, because it would have been letters, wouldn't it, 1997, it wouldn't mm. have been emails, a ridiculous amount of letters from people saying, oh, I tried this code, it doesn't work. And, oh, th- that song came out after Tomb Raider 2. How can you, how could it have possibly have, have, have worked like that? And then their rebuttal in the May issue was, uh, you bunch of perverts, essentially. And it was yeah, obviously Yeah, it sounds very viz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that, again, that being a thing that, yeah. that this magazine then printed that, it just is... Yeah. Interestingly, as a kind of a, as a kind of a, a, another aspect to that, and then I'll move off the character of Lara Croft is um, in the nineteen ninety nine Bond film, "The World Is Not Enough." There was the character Christmas Jones, played by Denise Richards. Yeah, which led to that amazing line about Christmas only coming once a year. Yeah, is that an amazing she- line? No, it's not. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Toe-curlingly awful. She, as a character, was in- inspired by Lara Croft. Didn't realise that. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, personally, I've just finished reading last week. Um, John Higgs, uh, author of many, many, many good books, mm. has recently released a book called Love and Let Die, yeah. which is all about james bond and the beatles and how they represent different aspects of british culture and the beatles are love and james bond is hate and the beatles are life and james bond is death and it goes through the history of the 60s through the prism of the beatles and bonds and how the two are are interrelated and interlinked and Mm. go through the 70s 80s etc and there was there's a whole chapter about bond girls and how there's there's a a pattern where certainly from kind of like 
GoldenEye era onwards, where each time there's a new Bond film, the person playing the latest Bond girl says, I am not like the other Bond girls. This is a new type, a new take on the character. It's not like the other Bond girls. And then for the Bond girl character to be in the world's nice enough to be influenced by Lara Croft is is quite interesting i think because that the, the point of the chapter about bond girls is is he concludes that that when they say that i'm not like other bond girls is that that never actually comes true yeah. and that it, it it's it's part and parcel of the films one of the lies told one of what the the fact that the bond girls as a character evolves yeah because they never yeah. do no completely yeah. okay so development for Tomb Raider then started back in late 1994. The initial idea at Core Design was to create a cinematic 3D character-driven game, which I think they were successful with. We'll, we'll find out during the halftime. Now, initially, there were going to be two characters in the game and the player could choose which one to play as. And there was going to be a, ga- a character sorry, that was essentially Indiana Jones, a male who had a hat and had a whip. And that was then changed for... Uh, licensing legal reasons and then there was a, a female character and toby guard the person who designed Lara croft decided he preferred the female character and he also realized that um creating two characters and having to implement both characters within the game and, and the choice would actually be double the work so he decided to just focus on there just being one character which was probably quite a smart move as well hmm the platform elements were inspired by Prince of Persia, which is a 3D game that I have played subsequent to this 25 years ago, and I do really, really enjoy. So that Sorry, gives me a bit of hope. Which Prince of Persia? Well, it would have been the ones in the 80s, 90s, as opposed to the Sons of Time, which came out after this. Yeah, Sons of Time was way after, and yeah. they weren't 3D in the 90s. So No, they weren't. Yeah, okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't know whether you were saying... No, no, no. And I've talked already about the whole the, the Saturn exclusivity, etc. And what happened as the uh, the beast that was Tomb Raider became unleashed and became very, very popular is they started work on a redesigned port for the N64. Yep. They, Core were doing some dealing with Nintendo and they were very confident that it would go through and that it would end up being ported to N64. Um, so much so that the they had to redesign the whole game to take advantage of the two analog sticks and they were quite far down that's how how the game would work on n64 however two analog sticks on n64 they were quite they were working on the fact that the n64 had an analog stick because obviously 1996 when the game came out on playstation it was just the uh the bog standard controller and um, however the negotiations between core and nintendo broke down partly because nintendo never actually sent them any um test kits and to actually test the game on at all so they just they just scrapped the whole thing completely mm. and then sony then said to them about signing an exclusivity detail uh, deal sorry so tomb raider 2 and 3 then became playstation 1 exclusives which is maybe why in my head i've got the whole tomb raider franchise wrapped up with sony mm. as being just a sony thing when it isn't Okay. Uh, the music gets a lot of accolade. The The main theme of the game uses a four-note motif, which has then appeared in many of the subsequent games. And the music is also remarkable because it's composed by one man, Nathan McCree, who wrote the entire game soundtrack in four weeks. Now, Nathan McCree then went on to provide sound effects for the movie's expansion pack stunts and effects. Yay! So, that's cool. And... 
one of the things that people liked about the music is that it only plays at certain times to add a bit of drama and that the game is mostly just silence and you've got the atmospheric noises and Lara grunting as you're pulling her up onto platforms and stuff. So the the effectiveness of the music, I know you hate that word, but the effectiveness of the music. Uh, the PC version had an expansion pack in 1997 of extra four levels called Unfinished Business. The game reviewed extremely well. It's currently got 91% on Metacritic and reviewers absolutely loved everything about it. But the Saturn version uh, had weaker reviews for obvious reasons we've already talked about. And last point about the Tomb Raider and also just kind of wrapping up the whole Sony saga is it was then one of the very first games that got re- released in Platinum, which then gave it another boost of life a bit later on in its uh, in its lifespan. And it ended up with 7 million copies being sold on the PlayStation 1, meaning it became one of the PlayStation 1's best-selling games, full stop. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. There you go. That's Tomb Raider. I've rattled through in those last few yeah, minutes. Sorry, first so half, sorry. Wrapped. No, no, it's fine. We... I know that was an info dub. Boom, 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 boom. Information, information. Yep, it's probably the best bit of this whole half. So good stuff. Well done. <laughs> tight yeah all right i suppose we should play it let's go assaults and resting places Mm, i mean in the context that sounds really awful but there we go Tom Brader. Yep. We both made that joke independently of each other. Well, I'd, I'd written down in my notes and then you made it during the, the halfway point. So that's cool. I actually didn't. Did you? But said you to- took it as that. Yeah, oh. I didn't. I I pronounced it Tomb. Oh, right. Okay. And then said Raider. Tomb Raider. Oh, I thought Tomb it was uh, indicative of us both being on the same page. Of, I'm so of, sorry. Of, of jokes. No. Gags. Burst in the bubble. Right. No. I think we're on the same page with this game, though. Ooh. We're about to find out, aren't we? Ooh. It's, it's, are we? It's not so good, is it? No. no I don't I'm, think it is. I'm going to give it credence. I think it has potential. I think there are elements of it that I have remembered in a less favourable way than it deserves. But most of it, I was pretty much accurate um, in my sort of memories of it. We, we've just played through the first couple of levels of the game. And the first couple of levels are tutorially they're sort of they're introducing to the elements of the okay. game itself well possibly the tutorials tutorially you well there's a, the there a separate tutorial but they're 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 not like throwing you into the 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 hurdy-gurdy the 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 thick of it but then the contrast there is you then got a game like mario 64 which came out at the same time and straight from the off with mario 64 you, you're into it it's exciting there's lots going on in this from the off you're exploring caves that are empty Boring. and there's nothing to do. Yeah, you, you're shooting animals on a periodic basis, which is exactly what I described it as in the in the first half. It's it's and, and my point is that maybe it does get more exciting later on in the game. That's that's mm. that's the the reason why well, I raise yeah, that. Yeah, fair fair enough. The caveat to all of our our um, sort of um, reflections in the second halves is that we only have a finite amount of time to yeah. to have a look at them. But the impression that it leaves you with is, and and to be frank, actually, it's a fair point. If you're talking about certain games, um, we are talking uh, not about 
Kingdom Hearts 2, which has a notoriously slow first four hours, we're talking about Tomb Raider. This game is what it is. Yeah. And I'd, I'd expect from it kind of its its reputation, I'd have expected it to have got you from the off straight away. You know, this is a game that was... Yeah. It was selling big books. It, it did sell big books. And it's so glacial. It's not even glacial. It is, it's, it's the ice on top of a lake. There's no movement here. Mm. It, it's just... It just is. It's there. And the stay, the levels are bland and boring. And as I remembered, they were... They are exactly as I anticipated them being, coming back to them. I don't know whether to try and pepper in the things that I didn't find so bad, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just... Try and balance it a bit, possibly. So the stages are bad. The stages are boring. The The look of it is ugly. At the same time, there are some elements of the look of it that aren't as bad as I thought. So you, you talked in the first half about the um, sort of ancient architecture style. Yep. Ancient style architecture that is a part of some of the stages, and that's there. It's not as bad as I remembered it being. It's more pro. It's more pronounced and it's more recognisable um, than I expected. It is sort of also still quite generic um, in a lot of places, but there are some bits that uh, stand out as as a little bit more um, unique, like those. I mean, I'm saying that they're unique at the same in the same breath as saying like those four Quetzalcoatl yeah. statues that were placed next to each other and completely identical to one another. It feels like a few weeks ago when we played Super Mario Lands that we had there were the level scene around China that had the that had the stereotypical music, and we talked about that. This feels a little bit like that. That it's kind of like oh, you're in you're in like an Incan temple, so you've got those those heads, and and there's there's some wiggly snakes like it's it's just there to kind of give you a kind of vague flavor of the kind of area you're in without actually pinpointing anything more specific than that yeah it's less egregious i think than oh the, yeah it than is less piece of music. it's less problematic um and i think there's a degree of that going on in the films and media that it harks back to indiana jones is a obvious touch point and mm-hmm. that's not exactly trying to paint accurate pictures of uh, dead civilizations no i suppose so not. i think that it's it's following in the footsteps i'm not saying i'm not saying it's particularly right just because it's doing that but it, it maybe is doing that there's a genericness to its architecture and um and yeah it, there's a generic genericness to its architecture which you're saying might be somewhat forgivable and i don't disagree what i don't like though is that this architecture is um a little bit of a little bit of garnish on what is for the most part drab boring and downright ugly frankly cave systems that are uh, unnavigable well not unnavigable are not fun to navigate and not particularly not challenging to navigate but not easy to navigate on the basis of visuals they are so they're, they're, they're so samey that I could have been anywhere in that cave system at any time. And frankly, I could also have been anywhere in it, this it, in this game's world because there, there's no character to it, no it, character to the place whatsoever. It all feels very aimless that you, you wander around. So both of us had the same experience in the second level where we wander around and we ended up by chance in the same area. And then we then 
didn't really know what to do and I had to look on YouTube at a Let's Play video and there's a whole area towards the back of this cave system that none of us had even stumbled across because we just hadn't wandered across. There's nothing in the game to kind of signpost you towards that and that's okay. I don't want the game holding my It's not even about signposting. It's about, but, being, it's about knowing that I've been a place or not in, in terms of there's some kind of landmark you know, yeah. to to make it clear, this is this is a distinct area, and this is a distinct area. I was wandering through the the same place over and over again, like caves with uh, a cave texture with some generic like foliage hanging down off it. Also, yeah. as you pointed out as well, lots of flickering textures as well, which might be a PS one hang up possibly, but it it doesn't it make it look any less any prettier. Yeah, the the textures were dancing all, all the time. Like there was yeah. a lot of flickering textures. There was a lot of textures that I don't know if there was Zed fighting or or what they were doing. To be honest, I didn't hang around to to really give them a, a good look over. But it was in constant flux. All of these static things, all of these caved walls and um, stone works, all were supposed to be static and were actually com- constantly in motion yeah which was really weird to experience and again something that i kind of remember from the olden days when i played it for the first time uh, well for the first few times um and you can say you you can give it the benefit of the doubt and put it down to oh playstation whatever but actually it's not something that stands out in my head about games in general Mm. on the playstation there were some quirks for sure but it's also not something that stood out. It it didn't stand out on the N64. It didn't stand out on the PlayStation. It wasn't a PlayStation thing. It wasn't a, a generational thing. It was a Tomb Raider thing, as far as I'm concerned. Like, no one's talking about the dancing textures of, you've said Final Fantasy VII, are they? No. So, yeah, seams everywhere. It was a, visually a bit of a mess. And you've also got the, the main enemy, Within certainly the first two levels were wolves and bats, and it it, it felt and bears, a bit... oh my, and well, sorry, and bears, oh my, oh yeah, you, yeah, you found a, a stumbled across a bear, and it just feels like you're in their territory, and then oh, there's a wolf, I'm just gonna shoot it because it's, yeah. it's in my way, and that what they've put in place is a system where her, uh, Lara's weapons, you press triangle to equip them, and then you just you shoot them, and she's got the dual pistols, which is pretty cool. But she's also got infinite ammo, so there's no actual challenge within that. It's just hoping or trying yeah. to position her as the walls are circling you, trying to sort of follow them because she automatically locks onto them. Um, that apparently Core Design did look into doing something where you had to manually aim, but it was too fiddly and decided to make it a lot easier for the player and just have her aim automatically, which I think is good. But then it also removes any challenge whatsoever. Yeah, and, and you don't... have also you have also got you can pick up more weapons. So we both managed to pick up a magnum or a pair of magnums, so you can then shoot wolves using these more powerful magnums. Now those ones then rely on ammo, so you have to then pick up ammo for those. Then my question to that is, what is the purpose of that? Because if you've got a pair of weapons that yes they're weaker, but they've got infinite ammo, why would you then need to get something more powerful? Okay, so a couple of a couple of things then. Um, the idea of having to aim in this game. Um, I don't know. It sounds like a choice between two demons, to be honest. I don't know whether I would have enjoyed their implementation of it. I didn't enjoy their implementation of a lot of things, which we will probably hopefully come to shortly. Um, But I also think you write in that having this 
shooting system where it just automatically locks on and you press X to fire kind of renders the the idea of having a shooting system pointless. Mm-hmm. It's they wanted the style of being able to dual wield these pistols without having the substance of actual gameplay. And I don't particularly care for that myself. It in terms of the picking up or the weapons and so on, I, I don't have any qualms about that. Like yes, you've got infinite ammo on the pistol. That seems like a practical, pragmatic choice. You can pick up a shotgun, and if the shotgun helps you take down the bear in two shots instead of 15, then there's a practical use to that shotgun. I suppose so. So if you're talking in terms of raw power, and I think that is the measurement that they use with these weapons, then that's the most sense-making part of this whole weapon system. So, yeah, no qualms about that, really. But having said all that, like, actually... Like the exploring was a bit dull because we didn't know what to do. But yep. actually navigator, navigator, sorry, exploring physically, like having her jumping around and exploring as Lara, uh, playing as Lara, sorry, I actually quite enjoyed. So controls. I remember the controls being horrific and they are only tragic, I would say. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, so it is tank controls, but once you're in motion, when you press forwards, there is a degree of fluidity to moving left and right and moving around in circles. It's when you actually plant, when you stop in a play, in place and you turn to the left or turn to the right and you've got this janky animation that moves you around 90 degrees. Um, and then you've got also alongside those, you've got this mix of good and terrible de- uh, control choices. So one good one that I thought, I think was there was the fact that you could do this dodge roll that also turned you round 180 degrees i think that was a smart and pretty cool stylish move to have Um, and it worked in combination with moving forwards and sort of the fluidity of moving when you're moving those two things worked quite well the jumping wasn't terrible like to jump up and grab a ledge it wasn't terrible but it wasn't perfect and jumping forward sort of like a leap forwards that was not as great but it wasn't the worst thing in the world what i found really difficult and shit implementation wise was finer motor situations so if you had to line yourself up with a switch you had the d-pad then you had you had to sort of finagle it with the shoulder buttons the l l2 and r2 to get because, it to line up properly yeah, and, and, and it, do that funny little side shuffle step which i remember very clearly yeah it took an inordinate amount of time for a couple of switches to just get in front of it Hmm. and it shouldn't be the case similarly with trying to pick things up off the floor you had to be standing in a very specific spot in order to engage with the things on the floor so it was this nonsense of stepping around the the thing until you actually were stood in the right place It, it was silly but then that YouTube video I watched, um, the person playing that had Lara sort of jumping backwards and, and grabbing onto a ledge as she fell backwards and then mm. holding one of the fingertips and then falling off. And it, it was, it, who was playing it obviously mastered the controls really well. And it, it looks really fun to do that. And the, the, there was a tutorial set in Croft Manor where, which I quite liked because Lara narrates it. She says to, to the player, press the jump button, press the action button, and she sort of talks to you directly. There's a bit where you go into the main foyer and she says, oh, sorry about the mess. I've been having some boxes moved. So then you've got a sequence, you've got to jump over the, or climb over the, the boxes. But I quite like the fact she's talking to you directly. 
Mm. There's a whole sequence in there where you go in, it's a jumping tutorial, and there's one where you have to hold down R1 to make her walk and walk up to the edge of this, this jump. Then you then let go of R1 and press back to make her do a big jump backwards. Now you're doing, now you move forward, and as you jump, as you move forward, you jump off the ledge. While you're in the air, you then hold forward to make her to keep the, the momentum going forwards and then you hold down x to make her grab on as she gets to the other side and then press up again to haul her up now there's a lot of buttons sort of of different moves that are in play there in order to make her do this this jump and i was thinking oh this is a bit a bit yeah. horrible but actually it all goes together really smoothly and felt really nice like quite satisfying when they got her to go over okay yeah i i think it's a mixed bag control wise I like the the camera movements where you hold down, I think it was L1, and then you move with the D-pad. And as the camera moves, Lara's head moves as well. So it's almost like you're, the idea of you identifying with her and looking at what she's looking at. There was a, a, a bit quite early on in the first level where you went into a, into a room and Lara's head moved and the camera moved to show you where to go next. I mean, it's really obvious because there wasn't really where else to go. But again, things like that I thought were quite quite good. Yeah, okay. Uh, I talked the first half about the music and I think the music was done very well you've got it's silence punctuated by the noises of Lara grunting and then suddenly the music might burst into effect usually when you're sort of being attacked by wolves or something I disagree but I think it was done well what is it you felt bad the the music music was fine like the music was adventure music it it sort of fit within the genre of the 90s adventure sort of uh, game Um, but it was inconsistent in the way it was uh, delivered. So there were moments where, yes, it seems to punk, it seems to have flared up when I was being attacked by some wolves. But on occasion that, w- well, the occasions that it happened, it happened when I was attacked by two wolves. But the first time I was attacked by two wolves, I didn't get any music. And when I was attacked by four wolves, which is arguably a more dramatic situation, I didn't get any music. When I was attacked by a bear, no music. There were two occasions where I got music flare up, and it was both times I was being attacked by two wolves. Um, and actually, the music flaring up, the music just didn't suit in 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 the way it sounded. It I don't feel like it suited the the event. Like I'm being attacked by wolves, um, and the music's sort of this. Just adventure generic music. Piece yeah, of, generic yeah. piece of mu- music. Yeah, generic piece of adventure music. So, um, yeah. And I also don't think that the music had any any relation to the architecture to of the of the stage either. Like it didn't feel like it fit within this dingy, if that's where you we are, this dingy cave slash tomb um in any way and i don't mean why didn't they play generic aztec music or whatever that would sound like i mean why did it sound jaunty when we were in this dark and dank cavern being attacked by wolves the guy who did the music nathan mccree i I found a couple of stories about him i I mentioned the first half that he only had four weeks to write the whole the whole thing anyway also yeah. he made all the music himself it wasn't back by orchestra it was all done by him and i found a, one story said that he wrote the music based on a few words he was given so this level has got this this and this and then he went off and composed music based on that but then another story i read said that he worked at core design and was therefore able to go and look at the levels in progress so i'm not really sure what the truth is there because they obviously contrast quite massively 
Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm not here. I'm not trying to talk specifically about the efforts of a particular person. Yes, yes. I'm talking about its overall, you know, outcome, the pre- the presentate, the overall presentation of things, and it just didn't work for me. Yeah, it, I mean, in summary, I, I think it's not as bad in some ways as I remember. In a number of ways, though, it is just exactly what I remember, and that wasn't a good thing. Um, I you, think you might be pleased to know, Ashley, as well. I, I did play Tomb Raider 2. My little brother had Tomb Raider 2, so that will crop up at some point. Now, I remember that better than Tomb Raider 1. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that that will, that will be better than this. Potentially, it could be. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility. So I, I'd never rule it out. I will say that over many times and through no, a number of different friends, I've played the the first three Tomb Raiders, or not not through, just at points and mm-hmm. parts of, um, and I've never, it's just never really clicked for me. So we'll we'll oh, see, kid-o-key. we'll see what Tomb Raider two brings. Um, I think, uh, and this is something that we talked about. I think one of the things that Tomb Raider has against it is that at the same time as Tomb Raider was doing the rounds and being touted as a this big adventure uh, raid in tombs i was playing adventure games like point and click adventure games it's in the it's in the name and we talked about broken sword being broken sword's was... a perfect example of yeah it was exactly the game that i was playing and it was released around the same time yeah and that's a similar game where you're playing as someone i mean george stobart is quite unwitting and unwilling perhaps in, in the first mm. game but but it, it's it's that whole it's a similar kind of idea of plot almost and it's kind a of far more you're... compelling version of the same game in a way gameplay wise they're going for different things but in terms of being adventurers they the style of broken sword the the attention to detail the the way that it paints its places because i think sense of place is really one of the major things that's lacking here the yeah. way that the way that broken sword pays attention to its sense of place and makes the place its own gives it each place its own character really lends itself to going on an adventure and feeling like you are experiencing that adventure on top of that there the contrast say between the opening of broken sword where you're in a cafe that gets blown up by a clown yeah <laughs> compare that to shooting 13 innocent animals i'm not getting on my peter high horse or anything but compare that to, you know, just coming across 13 animals in that first stage at random, seemingly out of nowhere, and just shooting them until they die. I know which one gave me a sense of adventure, and it, it definitely mm. wasn't Tomb Raider. Yeah, yes, I, I, I completely agree. And that, that opening sequence from Broken Sword, I can still picture it, even just you talking about it. I can The animation style and the way it's done, and doesn't the clown run past George and kind of leer at him or, or something? Uh, there's, yeah, sort of something like that we can't we, we'll be talking about that in a, in its own episode at some point excellent excellent there's more adventure trapping a goat in a scottish castle <laughs> than there is in the entirety of the trilogy of uh the first three tomb raider games well the bit where you you, you press the key into a bar of soap i remember that bit quite clearly there we go it yeah. sounds like an adventure to me <laughs> So obviously we talked about it a few times already. Tomb Raider 2 uh, came at Hot on the Hills of Tomb Raider 1 a, a year later. They actually began working on Tomb Raider 2 as they wound down working on the first one, even before Tomb Raider 1 was released. And then Tomb Raider 2 came out in late 97. And then what happened during the development of Tomb Raider 2 is that IDOS put pressure on court to 
released games annually, which put a lot of strain on mm. the team as a result of that and led to a, a bit of bad blood between Core and Eidos. Uh, understandably, I think. Mm. We've talked in the first half about some of the other games. There's been, to date, 12 Tomb Raider games, including the 2013 reboot of the series, which ranked at number 55 in IGN's top 100 games of all time. Okay. And in 2007, there was a game called Tomb Raider Anniversary, which was a almost a director's cut remake of this game that we've played today. Yeah, I of, talked about uh, that. That's one of the ones that I like. And that came out on the PS2, 360, Wii, PC, and the PSP. Now, what they did was they took advantage of the 11 years between that and the original game and they expanded the plot and the lore they improved the level design quite a lot as well so that's yeah. why i've deemed it. it was a remake but it's it's more of a i would say a director's cut there's also been as well as those 12 games there's also been many handheld mobile mm. and spin-off games um we talked at length the first half about lara croft as a character she's uh, currently in Fortnite. oh current currently right now yeah, apparently. Oh, or, I haven't been playing it. Or is it lately, Fortnite so, or, or um, something? Well, and we actually talked before we started recording tonight about how uh, Croft Manor is some DLC for Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, that's why you gave me that look. I see. Yeah. So it's it 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 amazes me that we're in 2023 and we're still talking about this character so, so long after the after the fact. Uh, of course, uh, must give a shout out as well to the two Angelina Jolie films that came out in the early noughties. Yeah. Which I only I've watched both of them, and the only thing I can remember from either of them is Chris Barry appearing in both of them as uh, her butler. Sorry, there is another two made film, isn't there? And that was the third one that came out in 2018, which was a reboot of the film series based on the 2013 reboot of the games as well. Yep. I've not watched it, but I know it's no. supposed to be all right. Don't know. I, I no don't doesn't register. No. Um, there is also an anime series on the way on Netflix and. Oh announced only last month this is hot off the press that amazon are working on another film based on tomb raider that is going to be interconnected with a tv series written by phoebe waller bridge and a new game so they go with the shared universe in tomb raider right oh i thought you'd be interested phoebe waller bridge everyone loves her oh yeah it's not that it's shared universe yeah well mixed media when there was at some point with the films, I think it might have been after the 2013 one, because there was talk of a, a sequel to the, tw- sorry, the 2018 film. There was talk mm. of a sequel to that, which kind of stalled. And there was some director, I'm not sure it's the director of the first one or someone that had been linked to the second one, but there was some talk of there being this whole Sony computer game uh, shared universe that would include films based on Tomb Raider, but also Hitman and a God few other War. games as well. Uh, I can't remember what the other games were, but then, Hitman. then apparently Hitman's not even yeah. owned by Sony. Yeah, but then someone pointed out that a couple of the films that were mentioned as being part of the shared universe that that there were no plans to turn them into films. So what are you talking about, basically? Yeah. Okay. Some idiot. I see. <laughs> Possibly. Um, and at the moment, this this one we've played today, the first Tomb Raider, is on Steam for four ninety nine at the moment, and you can get on Game Pass. You can get Tomb Raider Legends, which is numbers one and two together, um, and they're not on the PlayStation as far as I can see at the moment, and they're not on the Switch. But there's a couple of the spin off titles are due to come out on Switch later this year, but just not any of the actual original main twelve games, which seems a bit strange. You say Tomb Raider Legend is number one and two together. Uh, from what I could tell, yeah. 
Uh, have I got that wrong? Maybe, wrong. I don't know. I, it'll come out in the wash. Um, I don't think it is. That's one of the ones that I played. Tomb Raider Legend. Oh, okay. oh I've got Legends in my notes, but that might be wrong. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll see. Tomb Raider Legend, Tomb Raider Underworld, Tomb Raider Anniversary, all three are the sort of late noughties Crystal Dynamics games that sort of revi- refreshed things. Um, maybe it told some of the story and I didn't know that, so I'll, I'll have a look. I've probably ballsed it up somewhere, to be honest. Never, never mind. Never mind. Okay. And that's Tomb Raider. Um, I am genuinely intrigued to see, to, to play number two, because although as we've explained at length, there are things to dislike about the game. I do think there is a good game in there somewhere. Yeah. I, I think there's a good game in there somewhere. They found it. When they gave it to Crystal Dynamics. <laughs> to the developer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they found it. They went, oh, yeah, that's the game they've been trying to make all along. And they made them. They kept making them. And and the new ones, they are a different breed of the same thing again, done pretty well for the most part as a game. Was the reboot, was that the one where you played as a younger Lara Croft the, the, so Tomb Raider, the, I think it's 2013 was the latest reboot, and, yes. and they named it Tomb Raider. Um, she was, yeah, starting out for basically mm. the. I think the beginning of the game, the conceit is that that basically you're about to raid Lara's first tomb, um, right. and it's all sort of incidental to an accident that happens that lands her in hot water and she has to escape from a bad situation mm-hmm. and in doing so she um raids a tomb raids a tomb yeah cool or raids tombs i don't know really where one tomb starts and one one ends so yeah <laughs> but i i personally i would recommend those games um people have bad things to say about shadow with the tomb raider but it's not the worst tomb raider the first one is definitely the best of the three uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, very worth playing. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is fine too. I don't you know, think it's awful at all. Similarly, Legends Underworld Anniversary, good games. So when you get your Xbox, oh. you can you can dig in. I can experience it myself. Yeah, I think. I think they're on there. Thanks for bringing well, that, Chris. I'm sorry that I ranted for probably our longest episode in a long time. Longest episode ever. I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't have to apologise. I don't think no, no. no I don't. I don't need to apologise, do I? No, nope. no. I'm an idiot. Uh, thank you for listening. You've made it right to the end of a, a jumbo-sized episode. Well done, you. In a less patronising way, thank you for sticking <sighs> around. <laughs> Wasn't patronising. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sounded like you might have been talking to a four-year-old. So you know. Mm, okay. I don't think that many four-year-olds are listening to the podcast. But if you are a no, four-year-old, so, welcome. So you're not one about Tomb Raider. Sorry about the swears. But thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this, which hopefully you have, remember to come and join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and on any slash all of those. Like, share, subscribe, rate, review. Yeah, go over there, get out of here. See you later. Farewell. Farewell.